0: He'd hit that, they'd have to go around the corner. I see one guy, I thought they killed him. He hit them fucking tooth so thick and hard.
1: Welcome. My name is Doug Simcox, and this is Beyond the Shoots as presented by Parasite Systems. In this episode, I continue my interview with Mike Swearingen, the four-event cowboy from upstate New York. In this episode, we dig into Mike's memory bank about some very specific rodeos people that he has met and experiences that he has had. And you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Search for Beyond the Shoots and follow us. I hope that you enjoyed this third episode about the New York all-around cowboy, Mr. Mike Swearingen. So, Mike, good to have you back on the phone. I'm going to just throw some random topics out at you. Let me hear your feedback on these. So, uh, last week or two weeks ago, I guess it was, the PRCA Hall of Fame inducted into the hall the Cowtown Rodeo out of New Jersey. What do you know about that, Mike? What, what's your memories of Cowtown?
0: Well, I never went to a lot of Cowtown rodeos, um, mostly because of the way the PRCA uh, wouldn't allow cowboys to belong to any other association besides the prca until i believe it was like maybe 86 or 87 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. somewhere somewhere in that time frame so i hadn't gone to Cowtown prior to that i'd heard a lot of stories about it uh when when uh, mr howard was running them uh joe farley and some of them boys had started going to them and Boy, they come back and tell some stories. And I, I'm a kind of a half a people person. You know, I like people. I don't like to get yelled at. It's <laughs> you know, like that. Did you, and no, wait a minute, I, did
1: you say half a person people? Is that what you said? Well,
0: half a people person. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That that sounds better, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, and and I heard, you know, Howard, and and I I had been around a lot of different contractors that were, they were kind of gruff, you know, but Mm -hmm. they were good, good people, you know, and, uh, you know, you get through some of that gruffness and, and, uh, but I wasn't too interested. And then Joe kind of tried to talk me into getting my RCA card and and I had thought about it and I had really hadn't started traveling a whole bunch. This was prior to, Um, well, probably in the mid seventies, early to mid seventies, shortly after I got out of high school or somewhere in in that area. And I don't know, I got the the paper out, it got the PRCA newspaper out and I got to looking at the results. Now I hadn't started traveling very far yet at that time. So I'm pretty much staying up here in the Northeast, you know, Virginia down in Delaware, you know, the Delmarva, uh, area. And I just got to look in the paper and I look, and I see the bareback riding paid $47 to win first, you know, and I said, I'm winning some of these, uh, Delmarva, ARA, whatever it was right about the turn when the association kind of turned. And I'm winning a couple hundred mm-hmm. and, you know, in the bareback ride. And that's one example, you know, and, and, at that point in time, bareback riding was my mainstay. I was, I was, Mm -hmm. you know, a better bareback rider than I was anything else at that point. So, um, I I just kind of, I said, well, that would be dumb, you know, go down there and then put up with a guy that's yelling at you and, you know, (laughs) swinging the gates open on you if you're not ready. And, you know, on some of the war stories that I heard, and, uh, so, I decided not to go too many of them, but okay. once the PRCA opened up, and I did get my permit, and I did go to Cowtown, one of the first uh, first ones, and Howard happened to still be there. Now I think Grant had already been running it. Grant and Betsy had, had already bought it, and they were running it. But Howard was there, <clears throat> and he was a pickup man out there. And I heard all kinds of things. Ah, he'll you know you got to get off, or he'll you know he'll pull out and leave you. And you know just things like that. So, I was on my A game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was ready. I wasn't going to make any mistakes. You know, just go out there do my job. You know, and and uh, so I went out there, and they I, I had a great rodeo. I think I won the bareback Riding, and I placed in the bronc ride. And uh, rode my ball. I placed. I placed at least three of the four events that I worked there. Mm-hmm. And uh I had a heck of a night. And <clears throat> I come back and after the rodeo I went up and uh and Howard was there and I went up to him and I said, Well, Mr. Harris stuck my hand out, introduced myself, shook his hand and told me, yeah, you put on a good rodeo. Well, hell boy, it ain't like I ain't done one in fifty years. I said, Well, I just yeah. wanted to thank you, you know. Yeah. And and, and it turned around and walked away and, you know, I started going to him, and then I got no Uh, Grant and Betsy and and I'll tell you what that place they have put so much time and effort and work into it it, to make it what it is they deserve every ounce of recognition that they got for that they're they're hard-working good people that I just I enjoy being around Grant and Betsy I mean they're just they're just fun people and uh yeah I just had a lot of fun
1: yeah, absolutely. Great, great, great. All right, I'm going to go to another PRCA Hall of Fame inductee, Night Jacket at the J. Bar J. Rodeo Company, a bareback bronc. I think he did the NFR like 2000 through 2006, but a lot of offspring. And his mother was a bronc that they had picked up, I think, in 1974 from a riding stable called Nightmare. What do you know about the Night Jacket Nightmare? Bloodlines. Nightmare was bucking when I
0: was riding bareback horses. Okay. Uh, in the IRA, and um, I don't ever recall getting on her. Um, I don't think I ever drew her in the bareback ride at all. I've seen her buck, and she was a bucker. Mm-hmm. She just, she was just a good, just a, She just loved doing her job, you know, and uh, you stub a toe on her, she was going to throw you on the ground hard, and uh, it was when I was just, you know, in that era when he bought her, now you got to remember back in 74, I hadn't really cracked out very Mm -hmm. hard yet, Mm -hmm. I was gone to a few of them, Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, I hadn't gone to too many uh, J-Bar J's until, you know, '70 seven seventy eight seventy nine somewhere in there is when I started going uh, mm-hmm. to him, so but she was still campaigning mm-hmm. and uh still bucking, and uh you know there again uh, the Zunzers deserve every uh, that is, oh Jim is one tough rascal now, oh, let me tell you he he's a cowboy and he's tough, and he just he just loved bucking horses and he just he loved his horses and great bull man and uh so i was just i was tickled to death for him and that's uh you know they deserve it you know he he got out of business i was really absolutely dumbfounded when he sold out because he you know he just enjoyed doing rodeos and putting them on but it's like everything else you know you start getting a little longer in the tooth, and things start to come a little bit harder and i whether that had anything to do with it or not, I don't know, but uh I watched that man put a rodeo on out in the midwest, drive to Attica, and the probably the worst weather that Attica's had in years and just poor grain, mud right up to your knees half the time did five performances in a row. You know, uh, started Friday night mm-hmm. two on Saturday two on Sunday, mm-hmm. and then turn right around load up and then drive back to Michigan, mm-hmm. and just uh, after after that Sunday night performance at Attica, I don't care, I I, I couldn't hardly drive the twelve miles right. back home. Right, that was some war out, you know. And right. and he just you know so he worked hard at what he did, and you know, and then having the the, the the brains and the ability to, to put them horses together
2: yeah.
0: uh, and keep them going. And I one little funny story about that. I remember they had a little bareback rider come out of Colbeck up, uh, up towards St. Kitt area. I met, met him up there when we were going to St. Kitt up there. Yeah. <laughs> and Serge Richard, good little bareback right, tough. And, I mean, when he nodded his head, he started spurring, and it didn't matter. He, was, he wasn't going to quit spurring until he either hit the ground or the whistle blew, you know? Yeah. And his first rodeo back here, I, I told him, come on, get in the truck with me. We're going to go to some rodeos. We were down. Jim put a rodeo on down in uh, Meadville, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> we well, went to that. Serge gets out of the truck, and we go over to the Penns, you know, and his eyes are pretty big. Mike. He's looking over these horses, you know, in the pen. Wait, where's the bareback horses at? I said, you're looking at them, Serge. No, 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 down the saddle box. These too big. <laughs> I said, no, Serge, with the bareback horses. Wait till you see the saddle box. Oh wow! Oh wow! <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> so, Serge, he couldn't believe it, you know. But uh, yeah, he, but that's that's he liked good, big, stout horses, and you know, he uh, he did a good job with them. Okay.
1: Now you made a comment. Um, and thank you for sharing everything. Uh, you made a comment that he's, he was a bull man. What does that Mm -hmm. mean
0: for our listeners? What does that mean? He just knew what kind of bulls to look for Mm -hmm. as far as their physical appearance Mm -hmm. to make that would make a good bucket bull. I see. And he could just, he could just look over her to bulls and, and, he had told me one time we were talking about it because I I'd asked him I said, you know he got a lot of young bulls here and some are rank rank dudes and some you know are are just really good to get on and I like to pick stock contractors brains you know Dave Morgan down in Florida was another one that was like that so I just enjoyed talking to them and finding out what they were looking for because at one time I thought I wanted to be a a bull contractor, you mm, know, had mm. some bulls and stuff. Yeah. So I'm kind of half picking their brains a little bit, you know. and Jim told me, he said, you know, I like to look at them and, and look at their belly and look at, and ha- they would have to have a tight sheath and a small sack. And, and, you know, that was one of the things he looked for in, in the feature. And, and I said, well, why is that? He said, but the older they get and they're just going to start swinging and it gets, you know, oh. so it's, it's going to cause them to, you know, you have that extra weight swinging around there. Mm-hmm. It's going to cause something, uh, a little in their bucking ability and okay. their kicking ability. Uh-huh. Right? So, but, so that was just one little tidbit that I learned from Jim that, that was one of the things he looked for. And he didn't necessarily look for mean hockey hooking dudes, even though he had some, Yeah. Uh, But that's not really what he looked for. He looked, you know, at the physical abilities and, and, and went from there. Okay. Okay. And,
1: and you said that, uh, Jim was the stock contractor at Attica. He did it for a year. One year.
0: Uh, I kind of helped try. It was kind of a, it was a mess. And I, I don't know. I, I just, I guess I don't know how to say all this, but anyway, I went, I belonged to the Attica Rodeo Show Association mm-hmm. as a member, mm-hmm. and I was going hard. <clears throat> well, they were having kind of a little bit of, they had contractor in, and it was just kind of a, okay, it was just rodeo. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't getting, he was getting a lot of cowboys, but he wasn't getting any talent, any any quality. I could see it starting to go downhill a little bit as far as contestant quality wise.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the kids who were coming and getting on, that's you know, they weren't there to ride. They weren't there to rodeo. They were to you know, yeah. to the party and all that. But anyway so I told them, I said, uh, if you could get J Bar-J to come in um, I will I will help try to get sponsorships. And I said J.B.R.J. is going to cost more, but he's going to bring some world champions, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to have some talented Cowboys here. Mm And, uh, oh, they kind of went round and round about that. And I said, and the other thing, you know, outside of the, um, price of the contract is going to be a bit more, Mm -hmm. but I said, um, another thing that Jim will make mandatory has to be at least a thousand added so he can get some Cowboys here. I see. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, at the time, they were only had like maybe 500. Oh, okay. So that kind of threw one on. We afford mm-hmm. that. And I said, Well, I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. I said, If you let me handle it and get some sponsors and handle those sponsorships, mm-hmm. I will guarantee you the difference in the 500. Mm-hmm. If, if, so if you add the thousand, I'll guarantee I can come up with enough sponsorships to cover the extra 500 for each event. Oh, I see. So they decided they went with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he put out, like I said, that year he was here. Well, it was awful. The, mm-hmm. the crowds were down, of course, and, you know, it was, it, he, bucked and, he bucked and stuff bucked, and, you know, guys weren't riding very good because it was rainy and wet. Mm-hmm. You know, it was mm-hmm. just one of them rodeos. It wasn't the best rodeo in the world. Jim actually had signed a two-year contract with him, and he reneged on one and hired hired another contractor back in underneath them and oh it's kind of it was a mess for a while eh, it worked out you know mm-hmm. and uh, Jim wound up <clears throat> going on you know but okay anyway okay. that's that's all there was to that so do you remember what yeah. year that was <clears throat> i I really don't I really don't um okay it was probably in the Mid eighties, mid eighties, okay, somewhere, somewhere
1: okay. in the mid eighties, Okay, so as as we have segwayed to Attica, a few weeks ago we put out uh, um, a quick podcast on on some folks tearing some memories, and hard to believe this was their sixty fifth annual year of putting that rodeo on. Next year is 66 year's sixty six years for goodness sakes. Um, do you do you remember the first time you went there? I mean, just to watch. Do you remember going there as a young person? Oh, yeah. We were kids when we went. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. It Probably, we moved to Leicester in about 62-ish, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. So it was probably about that time that we had gone, because when we lived in Lima, we went to Lima Rodeo. I remember that, you know, on Heck. Sam was just a baby, so I wasn't probably about five or six years old when we were going to Lima Rodeo over there uh, and watching that. So we moved, you know, it wasn't too much longer after that. We moved to Lester, and then Lester was quite a bit closer to Attica. So I would imagine it was probably, you know, 63, 64, somewhere in that area, I would think.
1: Yeah, so sixty you're what, five years old, six years old? Uh, I was born in 54. 54, so, okay, almost, yeah. yeah, so nine or ten then. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, okay so, nine or ten. And and do you remember the first time you went? Did anything just really catch your attention, or?
0: Uh, they had two things that we would get at. Mm-hmm. They had, um, at that age, I think, well, actually three. They had junior steer riding, which mm-hmm. I, I got. And I don't know if it was the very first year I went. I don't remember that. But they used to have a grease pig chase for the kids, and they used to have a cash scramble. Grease pig chase? Yes. Okay. <laughs> they would bring some little pigs in that probably yeah. weighed about 40, 50 pounds and grease them all up with lard. And then bring the kids in and put them in a circle, turn them little pigs loose, and then have at it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my oh, goodness. Yeah.
1: And what? what? Yeah. You just had to capture them? You just had to hold had, them? Yeah, you had
0: to catch, them, catch okay. them and hold on to them and take them back to the judge. Oh, my goodness. And talk about... Oh, yeah, I don't know if anybody's ever grabbed a hold of one of them little pigs without grease on them, but yeah. they're squealing, screaming, squiggling, wiggling, <laughs> and yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We used to have the grease pig chases. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, and that was one of the you know. So I remember doing that a couple of years, and then oh wow, then uh, then I got into the junior steer riding a little bit.
1: Okay okay and then the calf scramble of course as you said Yeah. oh yeah so so when was the first time maybe it's junior steer riding no no let's let's move up when was the first time you competed you know in the adult events so whether that's bareback saddle bronx bulls steer wrestling whatever do you remember the very first time you where you paid the entry fee and you're drawn with with everybody
0: I can't tell you exactly what year it was. We mm-hmm. could probably figure out pretty close to what year it was, but I think I was probably 14 or 15, somewhere. Okay. I don't think I had started high school or right about, I think I was probably in, in uh, junior high. Okay. And uh, I had actually. Had actually gone and and entered the entered the bareback riding and and uh, I don't think the first year I entered the first year I went I don't think I entered the saddlebunk riding but it wasn't maybe the following year after that okay but I think I entered I entered the bareback riding and probably bull riding yep
1: okay. Okay, excellent. And, and of all the years, so this sounds like you started compete in 1968, right? 14 years of age. Um, mm-hmm. Any year that just stands out for whatever reason, maybe it's competitors coming through that caught your attention, big names, um, big bulls, big broncs, best, best rides, anything that just stood out where you said, these are cool things.
0: Well, there there are a couple of things that were a lot of the growing pains that any rodeo association would have. Um, they had a stock contractor from Connecticut, Bud Chase, and he was an IRA contractor. And uh, he was putting rodeos on. And I, back, I know, well, I've got some pictures from like 72 and 73 when he was putting them on back then. But um, I don't know. Bud didn't come back and I don't know if there was whether he went out of business. Cause shortly, uh, I think they went out of business. So whether he had health problems, I have no idea. But anyway, they were having trouble getting a contractor to come in there and do it. Well, they got my dad of course was on the, on the, uh, board mm-hmm. on the committee. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, we'll just, we'll just put one on. And, uh, Dad still had a bunch of horses mm-hmm. and uh so and I i am not a hundred percent sure there was a little bit of trouble going on with the, the associations at that time. There's a little bit of a a feud between um and, and just like the PRCA not wanting anybody else to, to belong to the association, they had a couple of rules in that if it was one association's uh, rodeo, uh, and they were already had had that rodeo, and another association came and took it over mm-hmm. the the following year, oh. the members of the association that originally had it were blacklisted from going to it. Wow! The next year, wow! So there's quite a bit of feuding going on between the associations. At that time, and there were the rules in there. I bet you could pull the rule books up now, and if they haven't updated them, they'd still be in there. Really? Yeah, they were. Okay, they were blackballing some of these associations. So that was a little bit of the problem, also. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much of the contract, but anyway. Uh, get back to my dad. He's he's going to bring some horses, and and they got some bulls. And I had an uncle Jack <clears throat> that was in a, a cattle dealer, and that's kind of how things started, but the little britches rodeos back when dad was putting them on. We had the horses and he called my Uncle Jack up and hey bring me a load of load of bulls, you know, <clears throat> killer bulls and stuff. So my Uncle Jack he he always had he he wield and deal with the cattle and, and so he'd bring the bulls and stuff. So we kinda did that at Attica one year and uh then they kinda put it on the cowboys came and mm-hmm. you know and me and Sam and everybody so we kind of, and Dave Wheeler still kind of every once in a while says the the, the family kind of saved this rodeo mm. from that year, but oh,
2: wow. so whether
0: we did or didn't, it didn't matter, you mm-hmm. know, but if we did what we could do to, so um, my dad would always bring a couple three horses that he thought, you know, I mean, if they were a little bit uh, rowdy or something and yeah, I think this one will well, one year, and I don't think it was that year that he'd put the rodeo, had all the horses there but one year he brought some uh, two or three horses to try out and he put them in the draw mm. Cause I it, it might have been that year because there just wasn't anything to it. but uh, <clears throat> I got a picture and I gave it to my dad for a Christmas present one time um, he brought a horse there that I wound up winning the bareback riding on him oh, wow. and <laughs> I was, I don't know and it was kind of tough to get into the 80 points at that point in time. But, um, I got a picture of the horse. He's right straight up and down mm. and I'm sitting right in the middle of him. Well, the flank had fallen off and I was still eighty some points. Oh on my the horse. Okay. 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 <laughs> and, uh, so that was just one of the, one of the things, you know, you win the rodeo and you know, I've had that happen a couple of times on mm. different events, different places, but, uh, so, Dad was pretty proud of that. You know, he he thought that was a pretty good, pretty neat picture. So, and that was one of the things there. And, uh, you know, I, I've done pretty good there. I've won the bull riding stuff a few times. But as far as, you know, like you say, something sticking out in my mind, that wow. was one of the things that, that that
1: was, was fun that's an incredible story um first off i hadn't heard anything like that with the associations and that would blacklist if you know another association took over so what were the association was empire rodeo association going at that time
0: yeah okay. yeah it oh. was okay. and and i believe I, I believe that's what it was is the empire and back then the associations now some of them will um Co-affiliate yes, with each yes, other, yes, and they wouldn't back then oh, you know. Wow. And you got to remember, way back then, you know, PRCA was the only. It, well, the PRCA is the RCA back then, right? And right. Uh, you know, they were the, you know, if you are RCA cowboy, you were pretty much it. And then you had like the the ERA and some mm. of the guys that couldn't travel. Mm-hmm. you know, couldn't go that, that the association. So they started that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and which is, which is fine. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's good. They, they need some place to go. But then they kind of took a lot of the rules out of the RCA book I see. That's where some of that came from. So, mm-hmm. and I think it was to protect themselves so that they wouldn't, uh, you know, somebody wouldn't come in and take it away. But the IRA, had just started creeping in a little bit, but Jason stuff started putting some of them on back here. And uh, and I don't even think that the, uh, back then I didn't even know about well it would have been Delmarva at the time uh, that wasn't even heard of back here yeah you know, back then so it was either ERA or A up in Canada oh a lot of yep. that back yep. and forth
1: yeah
0: and then so it was the same thing for them them guys that had the ORA cards a lot of them had their ERA cards yeah and then when it got taken over by the IRA they they didn't want them to come. You know? Oh, so, wow! So it was either ERA, RCA, or RA. Okay. That's pretty much all we had. To <laughs> okay, have.
1: okay. Thank you for that. That's that's great yeah. information. So, so the year that you you, so Jim and Jack, your dad and your uncle put on put on the rodeo, brought the stock. Was that an open rodeo, or did the ERA step in at that point? No, that part of it, I don't even know. Okay. Uh, okay.
0: I I I, I would think that it was probably just an open rodeo
1: oh, okay okay and from your memory good good cowboys showed up So drew well and all that sort of thing
0: well there was a whole nucleus of us back here that all rode mm-hmm. you know me and joe and rob cornball and there was there was a bunch of us that if there was a rodeo in new york state you know up especially up in this Western half of the state, we were going to it, you know. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> we were all, you know, the same bunch. And then the there was the older group that helped us. Uh, Ward Mitchell, Gary Sicoria, Billy Bean. Uh, there was a bunch of those guys that were had been going to rodeos and and knew a little bit, and they were helping us young kids out. And uh, so there was a transition, not really so much transition, but us new kids coming up and. and following their footsteps and they're helping us, but they're still competing. Ed Phillips is still, he rode bareback horses. I see him ride a couple bulls, but he kind of got out of the bull riding just by the time, you know, I was getting old enough to really get started, but he still rode bareback horses. We traveled together quite a bit. Okay. You know, and, okay. and so you, you got guys like him that are showing kids like us what they knew and still hauling us. Mm-hmm. So that was that uh, was a lot of what was going on back here at these rodeos. And then as these rodeos starting to get progressively better, um, then they started branching out and, and started going. And then, um, you had guys that like, um, uh, the Lima, uh, Lima rodeo that they had their own stock pretty much. And they just kind of, they kind of faded out when things really started going, you know, I mean, it's, they kind of backed out of it, but uh, they didn't. They didn't put any road shows on. But right, right, okay, okay.
1: And and staying in that era, then um, you brought up Joe Farley and some of these, some of the other writers. I talked to Joe, and he remembers traveling with you in 1973 or 1974 going to St. Teat. Now for our listeners, St. Teat is in Quebec, Canada. It's up North of uh, three rivers um, and a town of about 4,000 people and about 600,000 people come through their 10 day festival. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I believe when you started going up there in 73 or 74, my memories. I think the rodeo started in like sixty-eight, if my memory is correct. And I can look on the website here, but that rodeo is coming up here the eighth through the seventeenth of September. Do you remember going up there for the first time? And before even that, how did you even learn about this rodeo? This is way up and
0: gone. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a interesting story in a way uh, we were going to ontario going to the ontario rodeos and we were doing good up there you know me and joe and burn and whoever was in the truck um i don't even think sam was going with us yet i don't think he was quite old enough to start hauling i mean he was old enough probably but mm-hmm. uh but anyway uh we went with Gary Sicoria and some of it. So we'd been going a bunch of them a rodeos and we were doing good. We were all in the in the top ten of of our events. And uh the the uh somebody slipped up up there. One of the cowboys slipped up and told me, he said, You gotta go to Saint Ted up there, go to Saint Ted up. So that's they're start that's paying pretty good up there. And uh some of the other cowboys didn't like me, like that word getting out, you know, yeah, yeah. but, uh, um, I saw, so I, I knew the stock contractor in Ontario and he was taking the horses up Mel Wakefield mm-hmm. and he was another guy, a horse man and a half. He loved bucking horses. He had a horse that, uh, man, well, that's a whole kind of another story, but he had a horse that he sold, uh, I think, um, Wayne Bold. Bought the, bought the horse, or bolt bought the horse Whizbang, and uh, gave him a bunch of money for. Them. And that horse went to the NFR, and uh, there was only two of us that ever rode that horse. Oh wow! Back here at East, and the uh, guy by up in Ontario by the name of Ron Deschance, and then me, and really? uh, I, I rode the horse. <laughs> they they let Ron beat him, beat me on that horse. I thought the side contract was going to beat them judges to death. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> he was hot. Yeah. But, but anyway, that's but, uh, so Mel had some good horses and I love going up there cause you were going to get on something you could win first on or mm-hmm. get thrown off, you know, mm-hmm. at, at my caliber at that, at that time. And, uh, so, you know, somebody told me about it. So I called Mel and asked him about it and, yeah, it was pretty good one. So, we went up there. Well, there was five of us, and I had an old Dodge. Uh, I think it was a Dodge Coronet. It was an old state car. When I bought the car, and this I I know I was still in high school. I was. It was. I think in seventy two was when we went up there. Okay. Uh, maybe it was seventy two or seventy three because I bought this old car. It was an old state car it had like hundred ten thousand miles on it when I bought it it was a four door dodge Coronet. and had a slant six in it, and so it got good mileage yeah and uh, <laughs> that's part that's important five of us. five <laughs> of us filed in that thing, okay, and we had no idea, absolutely mm-hmm. no idea except for it was way up north. yeah uh it was me, my brother Dan went with us that year, okay. Joe, I think Vern Edwards went, and Rob Cornbaugh. Those are the five of us that went up there in that, <clears throat> in that car. Okay. We get up to the border, you know, and go through the things, you know, take all our junk out, you know. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Take it out, and our trunk is absolutely packed, you know, but it's mostly our gear. We don't have very many clothes with us, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, <laughs> well, <clears throat> we drive, and it, it's, it's probably 78 to 80 degrees. Beautiful weather down here now it's mid September is oh, when this yep, yep. when it goes on. So uh so down here it's just beautiful beautiful fall day, perfect. So we just pack our junk and head off and we get up there. I get up there and it's uh probably about midnight 1 two o'clock it's in the middle of night anyway Mm -hmm. there ain't a soul around we pull in the rodeo grounds you know and there ain't a soul around and uh we i don't even know i don't think we had any blankets or anything we didn't take jackets right 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 (laughs) so we're trying to find there ain't no motels around you know uh we pull in here and so we just kind of we got to do what we got to do well I recognize the stock contractor's pickup. He's got a camper on the back of it, but nobody was in the front of the truck. So me and Rob crawl in the front of the truck, and I set up in the passenger side, and Rob, he sprawls out. And Rob's quite a bit taller than I was, and he sprawls out and puts his head on my lap, and he goes to sleep. <laughs> so we're sitting there, and I'm shivering all night long. You know, Can't wait for daylight to show up. And everybody else, the other three, sat in the car, and they went to sleep in the car. When we got up in the morning. There was ice covering the mud puddle. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Okay, okay. Uh, but so that was our first trip up there, to, and uh, yeah, and it was, it was. We took a lot of money home.
1: Okay, okay. So a lot it, of years. So it had good added money, and was it in the same location as they do as they as they rodeo today?
0: Yep. Okay. Yep. The same. It was the same arena. They've just done so much more work to it, you know. Back then, they didn't have covered grandstands, and yeah, usually it was a rainy season up there, it was rainy and cold, misty, and this, you know, this kind of getting fallish up there because they're, you know, I don't know, it's uh, quite a ways north from from where we're at, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh,
2: Oh anyway, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, you know,
0: yeah. It, and uh, <laughs> so. They're, they're probably, I would guess, probably three weeks farther, you know, advanced towards winter mm-hmm. than we were down here. Yeah. At least. Yeah, at least. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we learned quite a bit about that. We all did good. And one little story about that, to give my brother Dan a lot of credit, the contractor had a bowler that they hardly ever rode mm-hmm. called Mackenzie. And he was a buttheaded <clears throat> brindle. And he'd jump off there, and he'd turn back, and he bucked. And if you rode him, you are going to win first. There ain't no doubt about it. But not very many guys back then rode him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Danny drew him up there, and uh, Danny didn't ride very much. And he, Danny had a lot of natural ability. He was quick and, and that, but <clears throat> uh, he, just, he just couldn't get his mind. And that's the only reason he in rodeo like with me and Sam. I think he, he just didn't have the mindset for it. Yep. Yep. Uh but anyway, uh but he had more natural talent than me and Sam had. Okay. As far as uh natural ability to set on a horse and things like that. But mm-hmm. but anyway, uh you gotta you gotta think back now these Quebec rodeos were just getting started. So it's almost like a wild West show up mm-hmm. there. Nothing was organized. There's mm-hmm. no association and it was just, we're putting on a rodeo and we got our judges out here. So <clears throat> the judge, you, know, you got your judges. The timer is in the guy has a whistle and he's standing down on the ground. So he starts a stopwatch when, when the gate opens, you know, and the, Animal comes out, mm-hmm. and then he blows the whistle. Okay, down on the ground. Okay, and yeah. Uh, so there's no horn. He just blows a whistle. Well, I'm standing. Danny comes out, and this bull jumps out, and he turns back, and Danny sits in the middle of him like he's a tick on him. Okay, he don't lick. <laughs> and this bull's going around and around and around. And I'm and I've been around long enough at that point to know eight seconds when the eight seconds is up. Well, Danny's riding for about 10 seconds. I turn over and look at the guy with the stopwatch. He ain't blowing the whistle. And he's standing there and the whistle ain't even in his mouth. He's standing there with his mouth wide open watching this <laughs> bull run. And, okay. and I'm hollering, blow the whistle, blow the whistle. <laughs> and, and he looks down at the stopwatch and then he grabs the whistle, sticks his mouth and blows it. Well, yeah. it had been 12 or 14 seconds. <laughs> okay. He rode this son of a gun. And finally, Danny finally come off. You know, I mean, he got probably dizzy. He finally... Well, when Danny kind of got thrown off, he blows the whistle. They no-scored no him. Oh, wow. Because he, did, he, did, he didn't make the whistle. Yeah. He was supposed to win the bull ride. Oh, my. And uh, so right then and there, I said, oh, we well, got to do some changes here. here. So, yeah, yeah. But uh, I went back up, talked to the contractor, and, you know. And, and then from that point, things started progressively getting a little bit more professional. Okay, It was still quite a few years, and it was still... A big Jim Cannon, Wild West deal, and yeah. actually, uh, that year, that first year, we were up there, which yeah. it, it was wild. Now, I'm talking Wild West. This is Wild West East, right? And these Frenchies, they're they're a tough bunch of them. Guys are rough. There was a motorcycle gang that come in there. Somebody got killed that night. Oh my! Motorcycle the guys and the motorcycle gangs got at each other. And, and uh, in Saint-T, while you're there, yeah, yeah. Oh wow. But it kind of happened late, and not at the rodeo. Any okay. part of the rodeo it was afterwards. You know, yeah. two three o'clock in the morning, a big place, oh oh all that. And so yeah. I mean, that it, and it was, it was bad enough. My wife, uh, my first wife, had a a fair barrel horse. Nothing yeah. great, but I wouldn't let her go up for a long time. I was, this is no place to take a woman.
2: This okay, okay,
0: bad, yeah. bad stuff up here. Yeah, but yes, it, yeah, it's so much different now. You know that it's a lot better, but okay. Watching the game shows and stuff up there is a blast.
1: Yeah. So, so a couple of things. Um, so, two shows. Was it just
0: two nights of rodeo? No. Um, yeah. Yes, it was. It okay. was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Two, two, and possibly three. Okay. Um, okay. I don't know if it was Saturday, Sunday. I think Friday, Saturday. But anyway, there wasn't very m- many performances, but. What they did do, yeah it was a ten it's a ten day festival. Yeah. It's always been a ten day festival. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. It, it's always been a ten day and uh, but during the middle of the week, um, so like uh, Wednesday and Thursday or Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, they would have jackpots and they would have a bulldog and calf rope and jackpot and barrel race uh, during the week. And so you could go to that later on when I started steer wrestling, I would go up to that jackpot and heck you, <laughs> we want a ton of money in them jackpots up there during the week. And so we would wind up going up there for, Oh, yep. Yeah, pretty close to six or seven students, six or seven days. Oh, you would when, that long. Okay. Yeah, okay. Once the jackpot started. now the rough stock riding that all stayed just on the weekend. Okay. But they would have the full rodeo on the weekend, but they would have, all the other events going on, you know, um, during the week.
1: So. Yeah. So where did you stay, Mike? How did you get that figured out? How, where did you stay? No hotels,
0: that sort of thing. Well, after the first year, we learned real fast that to, to make friends with some of the French guys up there, okay. some of the locals. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. And which, you know, I mean, yeah, When we when we would go up there, you know, American you would think we were John Lane walking in there we could do anything we wanted to American cowboys oh day, my oh my. oh wow but uh but we I think the next year we found there was a there was a couple camps up there a couple day camps up there
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, in the area that um, would close down in the fall they were already closed so they had these cabins that were oh. uh, open and for rent and they weren't too far you know uh 15, 20 minute drive tops, and the last, and the worst of it is, you know, the first five minutes was good sand, but it was the last fifteen minutes going back in these little old sand uh, gravel roads going back into the camps, uh, you know, it took a while. But mm-hmm. if we would we would go and rent two or three cabins, and we did that for years up there. We'd go and rent, you know, five or six cabins and okay. a whole bunch of them go up there, and, and we would just make herself at home up there they were good people we you know we had to take our own food they were all closed down but yeah they rented us the cabins oh and it was cool. some of the french people that made the connections for us to get that done hmm. and
1: uh you know so we did that for a long time okay and and you talked about it being a wild west show um did they have the pony express the exchange ra- uh, race and the rescue race like they have today oh you bet they did <laughs> Even back was,
0: then? Oh, yeah. Okay. Actually, they had more, more events than that. They had the hide race. The what? Uh, the, hide, the cow hide race. Cow hide
1: race. Okay. Yes. Okay. You talk- <laughs> Describe that for us, Mike.
0: And <laughs> most of, the, most of their, their games, you know, outside of the, the rescue race, which just had the one barrel at the end, and yeah. you had the rider would swing up on as the guy, turn the barrel, and then go back. All the other ones, they had like four barrels set up or cones set up in the, you know, just off each corner of the arena back in so many feet.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, so they had to stay on the outside of the cones. Well, uh, the rescue race uh, was with one barrel, but the rider exchange race is where they would take a horse and run around the outside of the arena Yeah, and when he got Back to the other horse and standing there, he'd bail off of his horse and over onto the other one, okay. and and um, then they would have a rider exchange race where yeah. you know <laughs> they, they you know they just had two or three that were kind of similar, but yeah. the hide race, the cowhide race, was kind of like the rescue race. They would go up. Now they would they would have the two barrels on the corners. Well, you had to change. The, the the rider would go up through, and the guy on the ground had a lariat. And on the end of the lariat is a stiff old piece of cowhide. And what he would do is he would hand that end of the lariat to the guy, and he would dally off on a saddle. Oh, my. And then the guy would jump, you know, he would hang onto the rope, <laughs> let the rope burn through his hand, but he'd hang it onto that cowhide yeah. as that horse was going about. 40 mile an hour around that outside corner. He'd hit the end of that. He might not land for 50 feet. Oh my <laughs> He'd goodness. Hit He'd hit that and they'd have to go around the corner. I see yeah. one guy, I thought they killed him. Yeah, he hit them yeah. bucket shoes so stinking hard. Oh my. Oh yeah. They did that. They even went the very first time or two I had before, I think they changed it. Um they had the scoop shovel race. And they yeah, even did yeah. this back home when I was a kid. I yeah. can remember, yeah. like a lime rodeo, they would, same kind of deal, they would take off and they, you'd have a scoop shovel. Yeah. And they would be sitting on the scoop shovel and pulling it with the horse with Larry tied to it. So they went from the scoop shovel race to the, the
1: cowhide race. Oh, and so what, he was sitting cow- on the cowhide like a sled?
0: Well, most of them would hang onto it and just be on their belly. They oh, would really? jump on it with a belly and oh, hang on to the rope. Okay. And uh, so that's how they would get and get so much air time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like a magic carpet ride. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. So and the trouble is yeah. they had to make that corner. Oh, my. And you oh. take that horse and you put that 35-foot leg yeah. on the end of that. Yeah. And you're getting outside of them corners now. They yeah. And there was there were boards that probably are still there today, but they had like 2x12s on the bottom of the fence well them guys were bouncing off them two by 12 like just man they hit oh, them things wow. and then it you know bounce and then go down and the length of the arena and as they were making the other corner and they had the they had to make the two corners before they ever got to the to the stop you know or to the end of the finish line there well they were still coming out corners and them guys oh man if them horses weren't tight into the inside of them barrels and they were on the outside a little bit all them poor guys took an awful beating against them walls and bucket shoots. you i they finally had i i don't think they do that anymore but i haven't been up there far too much Uh, do you you know uh, the origins of
1: this where where the pony express the exchange i mean i know the concept of the pony express right from the pony express out west but do you do you know what attracted I mean, these kinds of games
0: to come in there. Well, I I don't know, but we used to do them, some of them games, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, when we were kids, horse showing back yeah. there. So I that. They'd yeah. So remember they've been around a long time, but they just <laughs> and they thrive on it. I mean, <laughs> I'm telling you, them guys up there, they don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they they practice this. They have a lot of their jumpers up there, big time. I've seen advertisements of some of the, you know, they'll advertise these big Jim Canna's and okay. they'll add 12, 1400 in the back. Okay. Okay. You know? Okay. So they're, they're making money at it. And these guys do it for a living, just like we rodeoed for a living okay. and they're Jim Cannon. And, really? and then, you know, then, and then the St. Tate is their, you know, their big showcase, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: Wow, didn't know that. That's great history. Thank you for sharing that. So so when did you last compete, Mike? When was the last years you went up there? Do you remember?
0: I, 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 I yeah. it was probably about 90, uh, 96,
1: 97,
0: something like right Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. And the next time we get together, one of our future calls, I don't want to make any promises here, but meaning because we thought we were going to cover some of the 90s tonight. (laughs) uh, At some point, we will, let's remember to fold that in when we're doing the 90s. Okay.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, Oh, yeah.
1: And, and I'm looking at a picture here that's on the New York State Rodeo Museum Facebook page, which, again, i got to give a great big shout-out to Betty Johnson, all the work she's done, and all the pictures that have been put up here. What a great way to, to hang on to the memories. What a great, great way. But I'm looking at a picture here, and I believe this is 2019. It is their 50th year at St. Tite, and it's a picture of you and Sylvain Bourgeois, uh, you are inducted into the St. Teat uh, Hall of Fame uh, champion all-around cowboy. Tell us about that mm-hmm. evening.
0: Well, that was a lot of fun. I had not been up there in, in quite a few years, and a lot had changed uh, from the last time. It, Sylvain went in there, and we, it, Sylvain had hauled with me a little bit. And uh, mm-hmm. I would taken a bunch of rodeos back here. So he got to really learning how professional rodeo was supposed to be run. Mm-hmm. And Sylvain a very intelligent man and a good businessman. And I was so glad they were... The Rodeo Association up there was looking for a new leader, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. they actually had even approached me and about trying to take it over. Mm-hmm. And said, yeah, there not any way from down here I yeah. could do it and I couldn't move up there. But anyway, make a long story short, Sylvain got in there and it was the best thing that ever happened to him because mm-hmm. he, he made it uh, a professional rodeo and he had a lot of good ideas. And he didn't just say, okay, we're just going to have one stock contractor and a lot of that kind of come around because of the um, being able to ship animals back and forth across the mm-hmm, uh, border. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the blue tongue and some of that stuff, with the, with the cattle was going on and the borders were shut down because of some of that. And so a lot of things made made it uh, important to be able to be diversified in the contractors. And so they had enough contacts and had enough business savvy to start getting on the phone and start getting some of these guys like I said he, even uh, Calgary sent some horses back there now but uh,
2: mm-hmm. you
0: know, Sam took his line share of stuff up there and they all did very well you know but, mm-hmm. he, uh, but he had uh, made it IPRA rodeos and, and uh, co sanctioned some other ones and, and it, made it made it a real professional really type of rodeo but as far as the Wild West atmosphere, it's still there. <laughs> it's still there.
1: A little, little bit more rock and roll, maybe,
0: right? A little bit more <laughs> rock and roll and, and, you know, a lot more showmanship than oh, yeah. than there was before. But, uh, oh, we, I, I could spend two days talking about just, just up there. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. Well,
0: <laughs> write
1: these things down because we're going to come back around. we got a lot more conversations we're going to be having. Well, I thank you for that, um, and congratulations, 2019 St. Teet Hall of Fame. Yeah, uh, pretty cool to know. be part of that great rodeo. Um, yeah, so I've very, got to... Go ahead, go ahead. I'm very humbled uh, yeah,
0: yeah. when I got the phone call. I, I kind of... I just... I mean, I went up there a lot. I won a lot of money up there, made an awful lot of friends up there, you know, yeah. and and, uh, and just not being around back there. And then they they gave me that phone call and I said, yeah, I says, I'll be there. And uh, oh, me and my daughter, Mikey, Mikey went up yep, with me and, yep. and, uh, we just, we weren't able to stay on' cause there was something else going on that I had to get back home for. Mm-hmm. And otherwise I would love to stayed up there. But, uh, we, we went up there that day and watched the rodeo and stuff. And, and, uh, and we had to leave the next day, but there were so many friends that I just was so bummed when I left there that I didn't get to spend much time with outside of just a hello and a handshake and how you're doing and mm-hmm. you know, roll we'll on to the next one but a lot of good people up there Wow,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely um, and so speaking of Mikey, your daughter Mikey, uh, she she always sends in a bunch of great comments on the podcast and I really appreciate her listenership and she she wanted me to bring up a few things here uh, so so tell us about skiing, um, a New York cowboy in Colorado, um, on the what was it the Billy Kid, uh, downhill skiing, kind of a yep. organization event. Tell tell us a little bit about that because you were on the front page, right? We got a picture that's been yeah. posted up. Okay.
0: Yeah, the Denver Post, and then actually it was on the in the rodeo sports news too. But, okay, okay. Uh, um uh, Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Denver Stock Show. Mm-hmm. I entered that. Okay. And uh I was out there for that. And I uh I think I had skis on my feet back here maybe once, maybe twice in my life, and that's okay. a little over here in Warsaw, mm-hmm. a little little bunny hill they called they called it Honey Hill and everybody calls it Bunny Hill over here, but <laughs> But it's been long closed down. It was about the only time I ever went there, and it's just I could ski out my backyard and have a bigger ski right, slope right, <laughs> right, right, right. than it was. But it's the same the same ridge, you know. just the guy liked to ski. But anyway, um, so I had never skied much, you know. In uh, oh Denver, at Denver they had this promotion there, Steamboat to uh the cowboys anybody entered they could go out and, and, and get in the cowboy downhill. They got mm-hmm. cowboy downhill skiing and it's mm-hmm. and uh ah, heck yeah I'm gonna do it, you know. <laughs> you can't ski but I'm gonna get on there and go and and uh yeah when when I went out um and entered there uh I was entered up during the middle of the week. So what the they guys i went out with they went out um first and last you know at two go rounds. so uh i just stayed there during the week so i was able to go to the cowboy downhill Mm -hmm. and uh so i went out to that got entered nat went down there with that picture (laughs) (laughs) i I go over there and i don't know nothing about skiing and i look at this hill i see all the things you know and I, I knew I didn't know how to stop and didn't know how to turn, you know, and I've seen a little bit on TV how they jump from side to side, you know. And all right, that. right. So I kind of ease over, and there's a group of little little squirts. I mean, five, six, seven-year-old kids that have got skis on, and they're all in a group, and I see a couple of adults on. I'm going to ease over there. That might be a little class or something that's going on. So I ease over there, and I'm kind of standing off to the side listening to them. And it has this little small instruction of a bunch of these little kids how to ski. So they all start going off of a ski instructor kind of back behind, and I kind of ease over there to him. I say, hey, look, buddy, it's a, I'm in the cowboy downhill, and I don't know how to ski. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> how, do I, how do I turn? How do I stop? So he shows me a little snow snowplow
1: yep, deal yep, with the yep. skis,
0: you know, point your toes in my toes don't go turned in. I've been <laughs> riding bucking horses and bulls. My toes go out.
2: Right, right. And
0: uh, so, anyway, he shows me that. He says, "Then get on the edges of your skis and you lean and you turn and you know and this, do this, and that." And I said, "Well, anything else I need to know?" I says, "Yeah, when you come to the jump. Now, the jump is probably only four feet off the ground. It's right. not much of a big one, you yeah. know." But, <clears throat> He said, now when you get to the jump, he says, you gotta get your get your hands in front of you, Yeah. get out over the top of your skis and kind of squat and don't <laughs> stand up straight. He said, just stay squatted <laughs> and then hit to the ground and let your knees do the shock absorber thing and you'll be good. Yeah. Uh, okay. So <laughs> we get up to the top and they got me paired up with this little Texas bull rider from Texas. Yeah. He ain't never skied in his whole life the first time he'd ever had skis on me and him. So we're talking. He said, you ski much? I said, no, I ain't never skied. And I (laughs) he said, I haven't either. He said, so this is, let's let's just do this. Let's just go down real slow side by side. And we'll just kind of stay with each other. We'll just kind of cross the line together. I said, cool idea. (laughs) That's that's good. I'm good with that. (laughs) Well, I start out, the gates open. We start down. I push off and start down the hill. Well, I don't know much about skis, but these son of a guns must have been greased up with some rockets. <laughs> so that that uh, Chevy Chase deal where he gets on the flying saucer and goes shooting yep. down a hill. Yep. The yep. Yep. That's, uh, well, I got to the first, there was like two or three, they call gates, you know, cones that we had to go around. Well, I hit them, and I'm just gaining speed, and I, I can't slow down. I'm trying to, I don't want to be going this fast, yeah. and then going and going, well, I come to the jump. So I says, okay. And I, and going through my mind, okay, get down, crouch down, <laughs> hands in front, yeah. stay bent, don't stand up straight. And I get up and my ski tips go over and I got a picture oh. of my ski tips just going over the edge. And I'm perfect. I'm perfect position. Yeah. Well, the next picture is what you see. Okay. Okay. <laughs> my, I I got over the top and I went, Whoa. And I straight up and down as I was coming down and I hit the ground. My feet went over my head (laughs) and I lost my skis. Uh, They had spotters down there at the the bottom of the jump there. They caught my skis and I got one ski on and I'm going to put the other one and the guy goes good go and he slaps me on the back to <laughs> give me a shovel I fall down again anyway yeah. now here comes this little Texan that we were supposed to be going together he goes over the jump and he's kind of going down he's down ahead of me now <laughs> so I get back on and off I go again and I'm going down through there and the next stop you got to go through there the ne- next stop is uh, uh, was it a horse yeah I think they had they had Oh, they had a tripod with a rope. And, okay, and yep. uh, a wooden tripod with a rope on it. So you're supposed to stop and grab that. Yeah, so like <laughs> kind of plowed through them. Got that. Then the next stop, there was a horse, and you're supposed to stop, throw a saddle on the horse, and the girl was standing there holding the holding the horse, and all you did was just sling the saddle on it, you know. And, okay, and then from there you go down the finish line so while you have well, your skis on you have to
1: saddle a horse oh, oh, yeah, oh, oh yeah. my goodness oh my goodness <laughs> yeah. that sounds dangerous well, what that yeah, sounds well.
0: like well, it was really dangerous when i went underneath the horse oh <laughs> my goodness oh yeah. wow i lost my skis are off i am sliding downhill i went right <laughs> underneath the horse's belly wind up on the other side i get up and get on Get the saddle, throw it on there. Well now both skis are gone, so I just ran down across the finish line. <laughs> the little kid from Texas was down there waiting for okay. me. He done all that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I had so much trouble falling down, came Oh what wow, that was a riot. And then after that, you know, I just I went up and was skiing by myself up there and they had another side of the whole other side of the hill. Now this side we we're at it's all packed down and they you know, they they groomed it and everything. Well, on the other side of the mountain a little bit over there, a little bit farther, you get up your chairlift and you get up there and it was all powder. It was like five, six inches deep of powder and stuff. And it was just really pretty up in there. I said, I'm just going to get off by myself and I'm just going to go skiing up here. Just try to enjoy it, you know, and everything else. And just kind of calm down a little bit. It wasn't no big deal. Anyway, but I was up there skiing around and come down around this one curve and and, you know, I'd fallen down three or four times, you know, I wasn't used to the snow getting up over the top of the skis. You couldn't see where they were at, you know, and yeah. toe down. Yeah. And yeah. I was up there just in it, just really enjoying myself. And what made the day is I run into a couple guys up there and, uh, they just two, two old buddies up there skiing together up there. Mm-hmm. And one guy had a hat on and, mm-hmm. and he looked familiar. Mm-hmm. and uh the guy that had the hat on mm-hmm. yeah they, they, they both had hats on and i stopped and think about it but anyway guy looked familiar in it he said you were just in the cowboy down i said yeah yeah no <laughs> oh, that was fun wasn't it And I said, yeah. yeah and uh guy sticks his hand out he says i'm larry mayhem oh and wow I, oh wow and yeah. i said i'm mike schwarzer he said i kind of heard it again he said and this year's Billy Kitt. Yeah. yeah he was the yeah. Olympic downhill skier. you, you, you got to be kidding me. I, I, that was an honor. That Isn't was that really mean? an honor. Isn't that? So yeah. that, 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 Two made, legends. Made, that, that made my trip, you know, you that, was, that was the whole thing. Really you enjoyed bet. that.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, I'm looking at the picture here. It's on, it's on the Denver uh, newspaper, and it says the head, headlines is Slide'em Cowboy. Yeah. And your hat's fallen off. You got great sunglasses on. And are you wearing chaps? Yep. Okay. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, see, that was part of the deal with Cowboy Downhill. You had to wear a chaps.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. What a wonderful story. Uh, So thank you, Mikey, for pointing us at this story. Um, and, and Mike, I really appreciate our conversation tonight. We've covered a lot of ground. There's so much more. I've got a list here that is, that is incredibly long, but I want to thank you for some great stories tonight. And, um, we'll, we'll do this again.
0: Yeah. Well, I got one more ski story when we got oh. time. You don't have time now, but no, okay. we'll do that another time. Okay. But I had two big skiing incidents. Okay. That- I, I will put
1: that on the list. I don't- I
0: don't put them on no more. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then, Uh, and then one other, um, um, uh, uh, one other subject I want you to get prepared for. We're going to talk about you rode bulls, you rode barebacks. Um, and on occasion, a cowboy can get hung up. So bring your (laughs) hang up stories with you the next time, if you would, please. And maybe you never were hung up. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> what's the odds, right? What's the odds? Yeah. Oh, this has been excellent, yeah. Mike. I really appreciate yeah. it. And, um, anything you want to say to our listeners tonight before we say good night?
0: Oh, no, I just, I am glad that everybody, you know, that is listening. I hope they enjoy it. You yeah, know, these yeah. are real life stories <laughs> that we had out on the trail that we've had more fun than people. Yeah, you know, yeah, I just, yeah. I just, I've been so blessed to be able to have this type of life. And, and, you know, it's just, it's just something that, uh, you know, most people could only dream of and can't even fathom some of the, some of the situations we've gotten into and how we've had to get out of them and stuff. And I've got friends from one end of this country and Canada, and I'm just so blessed to have, have that, amount of time to be able to rodeo that long and meet that many people it's just been it's been great
1: well said my friend well said mike it has been great good evening thank you have a nice evening be safe stay cool up there
0: yep yep it's been it's been nice weather here lately so we're we're doing good
1: all right my friend
0: all right buddy take care take care
1: (laughs) In our next episode, maybe we can get to what we thought we would cover in this episode. We will talk to Mike about the 1990s. We have so many more topics to cover with Mike and his closing says it all. A great life full of experiences that Mike shares so well with us. More to come in the future. Now, I've added some links for my research in the notes for your review. And to make your listening easier, you can find us on Spotify at apple podcasts and youtube search for beyond the shoots and follow us reminder check out the new york state rodeo museum facebook group page and become a member it has inspired this show we also have a facebook page for beyond the shoots become a friend and like follow say hello drop us some comments And we'd like to say thank you to Parasite Systems for their support of our podcast. Now, Parasite Systems is a push-button parasitic diagnostic system for pasture animals, horses, cattle, goats, sheep, chickens, and for your companion animals, your dogs and your cats. Get focus on treatment. Get the data you need to properly treat your animals for the exact infestation that they are carrying us. You can find them at parasitesystems.com, and we have a coupon code that you can use when you purchase a kit it's btc 023 this is beyond the shoots until next time this is Doug Simcox thank you for listening